Welcome to Health Talks Now, bringing you the facts you need to keep you and your family well. We're happy you're tuning in today. Baptist Health is committed to providing compassionate, high-quality care that is centered on you. Listen to all of our podcasts to hear from Baptist Health physicians about the latest medical advancements and treatments, and get trusted information on timely health topics from our healthcare professionals. Whether you want to learn more about a specific condition or procedure, or find tips for living a healthy lifestyle, Baptist Health is here to help you become a healthier you. planned that I'm really pumped about and I think a lot of people will benefit from. Yeah. So welcome back to another episode of Health Talks Now, a podcast brought to you by Baptist Health. Jamie Robertson is our guest, Lexington-based. I believe she's a UK grad mm-hmm. and she is in exercise education. That's right. Today we're going to be talking about some fitness goals, where you can begin with your fitness journey mm-hmm. and some specifics for heart health And how those play into other areas of overall health and wellness for both pre and post-surgery patients and bariatric patients and how kind of her role as a fitness coordinator complements our other service lines. Yeah, they do a lot of work with diabetes and orthopedics, and it's a huge region that they cover. So I think that this is going to be an interesting episode. And I know we have a few other episodes planned throughout the season that complement this. Yeah. So if you are just starting your fitness journey, if you've made some fitness or health-related goals for 2021, or if you're already an avid fitness junkie and you're looking for ways that you can kind of level up your fitness routine or some really practical, tangible tips on safety with exercise and how to incorporate exercise better into your lifestyle, this is the episode for you. So share it with a friend, hit pause, go ahead and send that link out or make sure you're subscribed so that you can catch our next health and wellness episodes. I've got a teaser. What is it? We're going to ask her if you can reverse heart health. All right. You ready? Here we go. Well, Jamie Robertson, we're happy to have you as our guest today, and we know this will be a really popular episode. I think you'll be able to provide a lot of helpful information considering your background. We understand the focus on exercise education, and we're eager to hear about the service in the Lexington region. Would you just start by introducing yourself to our listeners and telling us what led you into this industry? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thank you guys for having me today. And so I am a native of Lexington. I've kind of grown up here and went to the University of Kentucky. I have my husband and we have two very busy children. So we're like many working families trying to balance school, virtual school now, extracurricular activities and kind of like full-time work. But physical activity has been something that has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. Um, I remember as a kid, I used to do mouse exercise and like other exercises (laughs) in my room growing up. And it was just something my family was like, who is this? Like, what is she? Like, I just, I always loved exercise. And so growing up, I was involved in multiple sports from soccer, basketball, track, um, even dance for a few years. And then in high school, I finally decided to focus on soccer and picked up weightlifting, which was not something that was common for girls my age at the age of 14 to start lifting, you know, 20 something years ago. But I loved it and I loved how I felt. And I just remember into early adulthood realizing kind of all the things that I had gained from the activity that I had done over the years. 
I had my improved body composition. I was able to manage the stress of college and early adulthood and work and all that stuff. And I was like, how can I share this with others? And, you know, I had entered the financial services field initially out of college and did not feel fulfilled. And it was just a job that was not not what I was looking for. And so I left that field after having my daughter and got down on my knees and prayed, like, where do you want me to serve, Lord? And I just felt this need to enter into the fitness field and become a certified personal trainer. And I have been there for 14 years and never looked back. So I'm real, really blessed to be able to work with something that I'm so passionate about. That's such a cool story. I love that. And I, I agree. I think even now, uh, I mean, you see more women in stuff like CrossFit and weightlifting, but even still, I think it's kind of the minority, but that's really what I enjoy more than cardio or anything like that. There's just an accomplishment, I think for me, or a feeling of strength and, um, just something that it gives me that other types of exercise don't accomplish. Yeah. I mean, strength training for women is a huge confidence boost, and mm-hmm. that's something I teach the younger girls that I get to work with. That's our main focus is, you know, how much more confident they are mm-hmm. um, either on the field or in school or yeah. in their relationships. It just, it develops something in them that's kind of hard to explain. Yeah. It really does, like, spill over into mm-hmm. other aspects of your life, I think, mm-hmm. beyond just yeah. the gym, because... And not to take this episode down somewhere where we weren't intending, but it's a myth that you'll get bulky, right? Like you do create such a beautiful, lean physique. So my daughter's 15 and plays soccer Uh and, um, you know, we are spending a lot of time with her and some of her teammates strength training. And, um, yeah, that's, that's something I've had to, you know, remind them of is that, you know, strength training is going to help you get faster, stronger, Uh more powerful. You're not going to gain weight that you're not intended to gain. If you're overeating, regardless of what you're doing, you know, you're either going to gain muscle or gain fat. And if you gain muscle, then you're going to be more powerful and stronger and faster. But, you know, we all have our own individual body types Mm -hmm. and, you know, everybody's built differently. And some people are going to gain muscle a little more quickly than others. And other people, just because of their body type and their genetics, are going to have a harder time. But they're still going to get strong and they're still going to become powerful and quick you know that's everybody's body type is going to lend them to a different outcome but certainly muscle is lean five pounds of muscle is the same as five pounds of fat it just looks different yeah it certainly does and we'll get into it later in the episode talking about your client base and and range of your patient but this is especially true for older patients i understand that it's beneficial to continue the strength training, you know, to protect their spines and their joints and to stay active. Isn't that right? Yeah. So with the older patients, they, um, I mean, in particular have been affected by the pandemic. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of them that maybe were active had access to things like the senior center and some of these other fitness studios that have been shut down at times and so teaching them things that they can do at home is really important not only you know talk about that they they can um prevent the loss of muscle but you know at that age like some of our older adults it's more important to teach them about balance Mm. um about fall prevention delaying cognitive impairment all of those types of things are benefits that they will get from physical activity from strength training and yes the delayed muscle loss and improved bone density are major pluses. 
Before we narrow down this episode to understand more about the specifics of how this plays into the healthcare arena, specifically offerings for patients pre and post surgery, let's talk about some stuff that the general population can benefit from. Maybe someone went into the new years with intentions of becoming healthier and losing weight. What advice can you share? Where does someone start? Well, I would tell them first that it's always important to meet with your doctor. Make sure that you are cleared and ready for exercise. But then after that, the biggest thing I think that someone can focus on is taking action. So a lot of people want to spend time planning and preparing and like setting, okay, what am I going to do? But but really it's that first step, you know, no matter what it is, no matter how small it is, um, take action in the direction of your goal. So maybe that's something like scheduling an appointment with your doctor or a personal trainer, or maybe it's making a meal plan and going to the grocery with that list and sticking to it. It could be purchasing a resistance band so that you can do exercise at home. Planning is really important, but action is always number one. And then the second thing I would encourage them with is that it is okay and perfectly normal to readjust expectations and goals. Definitely by this time of year, a lot of people have realized that maybe they have set lofty goals and they've fallen off the wagon. Instead of just throwing in the towel, um, you know, I think it's important to just readjust. You know, if their goal was to go to the gym four mornings per week and that didn't happen, well, in reality, maybe they can go two days and then the other two days they need to, you know, just go on a walk on their lunch break. Mm-hmm. Um, so just readjusting your goals and finding ways to kind of tweak things so that you're continually making progress, I think, is the most important. I read a quote uh, actually just this morning that said something to the effect of quitting is actually for winners. Because mm-hmm. I think there's such a negative connotation of like, well, you can't quit. You made this, you know, promise to yourself or you set this goal, if you alter it or if you change it in any way, then you failed. And it sounds like what you're saying is that in reality, going two days a week is better than going none, you know? So maybe four was too ambitious. It's actually smarter to reevaluate your goal and say, okay, that was, you know, going from zero days a week to four days a week was a lot. I'm going to back it down to two days a week. And then at least I'm still making those baby steps of progress as opposed to just getting discouraged that I can't achieve this other goal and then quitting. I mean, like for within my shared in my life, like we've got a lot going on. You know, I've got a child involved um, in soccer, another one in sports. We've got virtual school. We both work full time. I mean, we've got busy schedules, especially in the spring. And, you know, I know that that's coming up every year. And so it's like, okay, I know this busy time's getting ready to hit. I I need to not, you know, expect that I'm going to, you know, get, you know, all of my workouts in, you know, every day of the week. I'm, you know, so I sit down and I look at, and this is where planning is helpful. I sit Mm -hmm. down, I'm like, okay, these two days are lighter. I think I can squeeze something in here. And you, you accept that and you work around it and, but you don't stop altogether. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the things I really enjoy helping people with is this is a skill that I think is learned over time with experience and it's just having that overall commitment to your health mm-hmm. and sticking with the program that you you know you're able to do for that time period. Well and this kind of plays into where we're going to take this conversation next but it sounds like you are saying that a kind of a tangible takeaway tip for somebody who's looking to start making healthier lifestyle choices in 2021 would be you actually schedule 
your yes. exercise or your you know workouts into your weekly routine. I think a lot of people, myself, I mean, gosh, myself included, would just say, I'm going to start working out this year, yeah. you know, yes. or I'm going to start running. Uh huh. But that's really as far as the planning gets. <laughs> but be intentional. Set the priority yeah. for your day. If at 2 p.m., I'm blocking out time for myself. Exactly. Instead of just saying I'm going to start running, and then every day think, I need I need to run today, and then it just never I never got around to it. I like that. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm saying. And like, I mean, I take it as far as, um, you know, I have, you know, our electronic calendars, but then I have a paper calendar and I write down in there. I look at the weather and like, it's going to be a good day to get outside. Is it going to be a day that I'm going to want to go for a walk or is it going to be nasty and I need to plan something to do indoors? When do I have a 30 minute block of time that I can, you know, pop this in? And this is why I also think it's important, even if, you know, a lot of people are avoiding gyms right now. Right. So even if you can have, you know, something as simple as a resistance band at home hanging on a door handle that you can quickly grab Mm -hmm. and use to get in some, you know, some type of activity or have a YouTube video that you enjoy ready to pull up and save. That way you're not wasting valuable exercise time searching Mm -hmm. for something. Mm -hmm. So just have those things in place and it's like, okay, I've got 30 minutes. Let's crank this out. Or maybe it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I mean, you know, no amount is too small. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. Like people think they need an hour. Um, you don't. You know, something is always better than nothing. I like that too. I think it takes the the like instant excuse uh-huh. out of it or the intimidation. And that, especially for me, I've got two toddlers. I work full time. You know, I'm a single mom. I have a lot going on. And it's easy for me to be like, I only have 20 minutes. Uh-huh. You know, it's cold yeah. outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just easy to grab an excuse, but I think de like demystifying it in a way that way, or leaving your putting your hand weights in a place where you'll pass them sure, and see sure. them it, it, instead of in a closet. That out of sight, out of mind component. So yeah, yeah. But for me, if if I carve out ten minutes, then. I will enjoy it and then I'll get my blood pumping. I'll enjoy the music. And then sure enough, 10 turns it into 20 or 30 exactly. because I'm already doing it. Yeah. So when we first spoke, when we were introduced, we found your range to be fascinating uh, because you provide care and guidance from a patient base, as we previously mentioned, from children to seniors. Talk to us about goals and starting from where you are in terms of fitness and incorporating exercise into your lifestyle. Well, yeah. Um, so I do. I get the pleasure of working with people of all different ages. And in terms of starting where people are, I think it's important for them to understand really the purpose of physical activity and that they look at it as a privilege and, you know, not a punishment for um, something to eat or not being active in their job or whatever. And to just, you know, identify, you know, what feels good to them, things that they enjoy are always going to be um, more motivating to do. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you enjoy dance, look for something like that. Um, if you enjoy, you know, having um, a running or going out in nature and walking or hikes, um, those are all going to be things that you're more likely going to stick with. Um, and then, you know, also just um, the stage of life is always, you know, something to consider and that I look at when trying to help people figure out what's going to work for them. You know, I think busy working adults generally need something that's going to help them reduce stress. Um, so we look at um, different types of exercise that can help them lower their stress levels and continue to build strength for a lifetime of health and fitness. 
we spoke briefly about teenagers and, you know, I think they can strongly benefit from strength training. So introducing them to beginner type strength training exercises are really important. They get this surge of hormone in their teenage years that can help them increase their muscle mass, which will help their metabolic health for the rest of their life. Then older adults, we've talked about them as well, you know, getting them into a program that they can do at home and teaching them things that they feel safe doing that help them build balance, improve their sleep, improve their heart health. And, um, you know, all those fall prevention type things are also important to incorporate with the older adults. So each one looks a little bit different. But it's just, you know, you take into account, you know, age, stage of life, their activity, and their previous exercise experience and helping them find something that is manageable, realistic, and sustainable for them. Yeah, I think that's that's important. There's all these, you know, fads in, in exercise, especially like the CrossFit and the, you know, it, running a half marathon or whatever. And I think what I found for myself is exactly what you're saying. If when I tried to put myself in a box that worked for someone else, you know, I see all of these people on my social media running these races. Well, I hate to run long distance. Hate. It's like, it is punishment to me. And so when I was trying to train for races to be like them, I hated every minute of of it. And I dreaded going out for runs and stuff like that. But when I found something that I really enjoyed, I started looking forward to doing it. Yes. So I think that's such a good point is to find something that, you know, drop the comparison Mm -hmm. of what everybody else, nobody says you have to do bar three or you have to do Zumba or whatever, you know, do what works for you. That'd be a lot more effective. Well, yeah, no, I agree. I did the same thing with like training for a half marathon and hated every minute of it. And everyone, you know, a lot of times people look at it as a weight loss goal and I ended up gaining 15 pounds training for a marathon. No kidding. (laughs) Simply because I think I was, I didn't enjoy it. It was part of it. And it was just this, it was an additional stress on my life when I did not need it. You know, so those people do, I mean, it's normal, I think, for people to try different things. And I think that's how you learn what's going to work for you is, you know, you're motivated by somebody else to try something, but, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to also understand that just because it worked for them doesn't mean it's a good fit for me. Right. Yeah. Well, let's now talk about the ramifications of exercising too much. So we've talked about somebody who maybe is starting up kind of on their fitness journey from the beginning or from where they are and kind of ramping up into it. But now let's talk about somebody who maybe is um, pushing their body too far. So the opposite end of the spectrum, how can this be detrimental and what issues can exercising too much lead to? Is it possible to actually gain weight? Like you mentioned when you were running during this practice. Yeah, absolutely. So um, over-exercise is definitely a real thing. And um, there's a lot of different 
paths and avenues that this can go down. You know, obviously it can lead to um, some excessive exercise and disorders that are probably more um, for, you know, mental health professionals to kind of deal with. But then on the exercise side of it, at the same time, it can lead to overuse injuries, burnout, overeating, stalled progress. And then if the goal is solely weight loss, Mm -hmm. when the scale doesn't budge, that can lead to a lot of frustration. Mm. Or sometimes for some people, it goes up like we just kind of touched on. Exercise is a tool that can help people lose weight, Mm -hmm. but it is not the primary method that I think people should use. It's it's a tool in the shed for a lot of, um, when you pair it with other things, it can work really well. That kind of reminds me of that saying, you can't out-exercise a bad diet. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking when she was, when you were talking as uh, nutrition has to play a factor. Yes. I say that all the time. I probably say it daily, at least to a lot of people, because I want them to understand what you put in is, you know, that those are choices that you make, you know, three and four, sometimes five times a day is what you put into your body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, physical activity should be something that you do regularly, but it's probably not as often as the food choices you make. And the, and the biggest thing is like all physical activity, you're kind of walking around everyday living, sleeping. It all requires energy and calories for your body to function well. Mm-hmm. So we do need to fuel our body properly. And that, the idea from this comes from when people think they need to, you know, maybe their goal is to lose weight. And, you know, if I take in less than what I, if I eat less and exercise more, then mm-hmm. I must lose weight. And that's what a lot of these fad programs are going to sell to you and make you think and they have these quick fixes that people desire but unfortunately it's not that simple and it's not sustainable the biggest component of those things that I think is overlooked is the stress side of it that we've talked about mm-hmm. you know exercise is a stress on your body it's a good stress it helps you relieve other types of stress it's going to make your muscles stronger and help your body have more endurance but it's still a stress and mm-hmm. If you don't balance that out with quality nutrition and rest so that your body can repair from that stress, what happens is, you know, you will eventually deplete your energy sources and your metabolic rate can slow down. This is why after the first few weeks of maybe a really strict diet and exercise program, it works initially. And then, you know, a few weeks, a couple of months down the road, things kind of slow down and people either give up and they completely drop the plan and go back to their old ways and regain everything. Or sometimes, you know, they get an injury because their body didn't have the nutrients to repair. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of it, some people are like, oh, I must just keep eating less and moving more, mm-hmm. which just propels that cycle of stress. So, I mean, it can be a really vicious you know, place to be and very frustrating for a lot of people when they feel like they're working really hard and they're not seeing the progress. So that's why I feel it's really important to work with a registered dietitian and a certified personal trainer who kind of understands this so that they can work together to create a balance for you so that you're not as stressed and that you're eating in a way that helps support your physical activity and still meet your goals. Yeah, that's a good point. So now let's transition to the services that are offered in Lexington. We'd love to hear more about the makeup of your team and how patients that your office is seeing are benefiting. 
So I am in Lexington at Baptist Health Lexington in our outpatient diabetes nutrition and exercise education department. We get to see patients from all over the region and counsel them on chronic disease management and prevention techniques. We have certified diabetes educators, registered nurses, licensed dietitians, and of course myself um, as a certified personal trainer that we can um, have group classes, we have individual sessions, and we see the majority of our patients right now are telehealth. So that's something convenient for people that maybe don't live near our office, Mm -hmm. is we are doing everything virtually right now. Yeah, that's been a, a great, kind of a good outcome of the past year has been the access that's increased across all, all of our service lines, really. It's been beneficial. Um, I mean, we see pre-diabetes patients, uh, diabetes, gestational diabetes, anybody that has metabolic concerns. We have a huge base of GI patients, weight loss, cardiovascular disease, and then we have a growing population of our pediatric patients that are benefiting from these therapies. Wow. Well, so we recently spoke with Dr. Paige Quintero and had a great episode about bariatric surgery. When does the exercise education come in as a factor to this service line? So um, with the bariatric patients, they are generally encouraged to start an exercise program prior to surgery. It is something that can help them reduce the risk of going into surgery and so that they're as healthy as possible prior to that. And then it helps um, establish the exercise habit that will be critical to their post-surgery success. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, these patients are very motivated and to see that their surgery was successful and are really receptive of the exercise guidelines. Mm-hmm. So how about other service lines, cardiology, orthopedics with some joint injuries? Walk us through who benefits and how the referral process works. Really, all of these um, service areas, the patients can benefit from exercise education. Um, The orthopedic patients are facing joint injuries and I help them learn how they can work around their injury site. We now know that stimulating blood throws throughout the body can help repair damaged tissue faster. So if they are limited to, you know, maybe they can't use their, you know, lower body or their knee, um, I tell them, okay, you know, we might have five to 10 joints that are out of commission, but there's still 300 other joints in your body that we can work and by working those joints and stimulating blood flow you're going to heal faster Mm -hmm. um the same is true for those with arthritis pain you know we treat them very similarly working around their pain cardiovascular patients can benefit by learning to um, determine the appropriate intensity so that they can improve their heart health but all of these services are referred. So we do ask that providers send in a referral. Mm -hmm. They can do that via EPIC or a fax referral if they're not an EPIC provider. And this helps communicate with the provider. One one tells me that, yes, they've been cleared for exercise, Mm -hmm. but then it allows the provider to know that um, they can focus on the treatment and the discussion that they need to have in that office and trust that all of the exercise education will occur outside and I will send them the notes and keep them up to date on their patient progress. Plus, it allows me to establish a relationship with their patients so that we can have ongoing accountability. So just because they have that first consultation, we talk a lot about kind of what they're going through and help create a plan. But then more importantly are their follow-up visits where we get to progress them and I get to say, okay, you've tried this. You know, how did that work? Okay, you know, it didn't go well. So we're going to try this instead. Here are some other things that we can do. So the ongoing accountability is really where the progress is going to happen with these patients. And that's just something that, you know, provides 
writers generally don't have the time for. So I'm, I'm happy to be able to provide them with that service and support them in reaching their patient outcomes. Yeah, that sounds like a really great partnership, really focused on the kind of a, a holistic approach to yeah. the patient. When you mentioned heart health, so let's let's go there. February is heart health month. And how, how does exercise improve heart health? We know that it does, but walk us through some of the specifics. It's really important for people to understand that their heart is a muscle that needs strengthening and regular training. I like to use the analogy of a rubber band and for people to think of their heart like a rubber band. Um, When you're young and that rubber band is new and it's really elastic and you get out and you move and it pumps and it moves and stretches really easily. But then if you put that rubber band in a drawer and you don't use it for a while, what happens? It gets kind of dry and, you know, rots out and gets kind of hard and you pull it and break. Similarly, our heart does the same thing. If we become sedentary as we get older and um, we we don't pump that heart like we used to, it's going to get hard and it kind of starts to shrink. Mm. And so it is really important that we continue to work that muscle and pump the blood and keep it elastic so that we can stay healthy and move um, all of the blood throughout our body, which will help lower blood pressure, improve your cholesterol, and reduce risk for things like stroke and cardiovascular disease. So saying that, how long does it take for exercise to improve heart health? And along those same lines, can exercise reverse heart disease? It can. You should definitely follow your doctor's guidelines and with their help and some lifestyle change, heart disease can be reversed. Mm -hmm. Patients will most likely, I think, be successful with a combination of assistance from their provider, nutrition therapies, and exercise therapies. I think all are going to be really important to help reverse that heart disease. Mm -hmm. And most Americans can see that they will have improved results within one to three months. Uh Um, And that's with the recommendation of 30 minutes of five days a week of exercise. As little as probably 10 minutes will help start to improve that because we want them to kind of start small and build up to that. that makes sense. But, you know, it can can take some time to see those markers in your um, blood profiles improve. But they'll notice probably initially that they feel better and that their endurance is improving maybe even before that. Wow. So what kind of exercise is best to improve heart health? And taking it back to that kind of other swing of the pendulum, could strenuous exercise actually be bad for your heart? So any type of exercise really is going to be good for your heart. Um, the main thing is, is that you get up and you start moving. So if somebody is sedentary, you know, taking short walks, maybe doing some active daily movement throughout the house, using the stairs, maybe incorporating more chores, just anything to kind of get that blood pumping is going to be the best place to start. Strenuous activity is not necessarily bad, but it's not for the beginner either. Someone should work up to more strenuous activity. There are types of training called interval training, Mm -hmm. which can be beneficial to someone that has established an exercise base and they want to improve their heart health. And that means including short bursts of higher intensity exercise is a good way to kind of work towards improving intensity of their exercise. But again, if you're a beginner, it's always best to start with low to moderate intensity and work yourself up to those more intense bouts of exercise. Sure. 
That makes sense. All right. If you're up for it, Jamie, we'd love to talk to you again. But before we let you go, <laughs> we haven't done this in quite we a haven't. while. It's yeah. been episodes. Yes. Yeah. Plural. We have a quick game that we want to play with you. A rapid okay, fire yeah, Q&A so we can learn a little bit more about you. All right. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Oh, gosh. Um, the pandemic has changed that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would say up until this last year, I was definitely a morning person. I had always gotten up early and exercised in the morning and had clients and all that kind of stuff. But then when we were quarantined there um, at the beginning of last year, I really learned to enjoy sleeping until 9 o'clock. <laughs> oh, man. And I've had a hard time recovering from that. So I am, I'm becoming more of a night owl. And it's, I mean, it's, it's a great thing. Um, my kids are night owls now, so I spend more time with them than I did before. So, I mean, that, oh, that part of go. it's great. What are you currently binging on Netflix? Nothing. Me either. <laughs> I don't watch a whole lot of television. I will say that we did enjoy The Queen's Gambit. Yes. Yeah, that was good. And at, yes, that was very good. And at the big, I fell into the Tiger King indulgence at the beginning <laughs> of quarantine. And I also enjoyed Bloodline throughout this. Oh. Um, but I currently don't have anything on rotation right now. Yeah, I I actually deleted all of my streaming accounts did you really yeah wow. i have nothing now okay and i don't miss it it's good, it's good. you have more time for reading i saw your instagram post i do i've been trying to read a book a week this good year so oh, that's great next question what's your favorite book probably the bible yeah yes. i will say i don't read a whole lot outside of that other than work and fitness related articles and journals yeah. um but that to me has always been a guiding source yes. and it's something i can always go back to yeah kendra and i started doing a bible study yeah. when we first became friends and this year we are reading the bible chronologically yeah. in cover to cover mm-hmm. yeah 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 that's yeah. wonderful okay okay what is your uh favorite ice cream flavor or what's your go-to treat or dessert? Anything that has peanut butter and chocolate. Oh, oh, Same. Yes. yes. Right, last but not least. <laughs> My son has become the resident chef, and he he bakes for us regularly, mm. which I justify we no longer buy sweet <laughs> treats, but I always have butter and sugar and flour and chocolate chips in the house. And he has some of the most amazing creations that we we really enjoy. Nice. All right. Last but not least, what is your favorite song on your workout playlist? I don't know. I don't know that I have a favorite. Um, I, I have a genre of old school 90s hip hop rap that we really like. Love it. Love uh, it. Yes. <laughs> There's nothing uh, more I motivating. I think of any one particular song. There's nothing more motivating than some, you know, throwback like masterpiece. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> This has been informative and and fun as well. Um, and, and many can benefit from this episode, certainly. So thank you for making time for us on this call. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'd love to come back. Thanks again for tuning in to Health Talks Now, a podcast brought to you by Baptist Health. I'm Carrie. Sitting across from me is Kendra. And if you're interested in learning more about our nutrition education and exercise programs, head over to baptisthealth.com backslash services.
That's right. And if you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend, put it out on your social media and tag or at us on your social media channel so we can get in touch and we'll even toss you up in our stories for a little shout out. But make sure you're subscribed definitely to this, to our show. Go ahead and hit that button so that you don't miss the future episodes we have planned. We have a lot of good stuff coming. We've got some exciting things planned for the rest of season two, including some conversations about nutrition and fitness. So if you enjoyed this episode, there's definitely more to come. We'll see you next time on Health Talks Now. Thanks for tuning in to Health Talks Now. Staying healthy is a lifelong commitment, and Baptist Health can provide the support you need to lower your risks, improve your quality of life, and protect your long-term health. Visit baptisthealth.com to hear our other podcasts, learn about our services, and find more tips to help you stay a step ahead of your health. Baptist Health, be a healthier you. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as medical advice. The content in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast is not designed to replace a physician's medical assessment and medical judgment. Always seek the advice of your physician with any questions or concerns you may have related to your personal health or regarding specific medical conditions. To find a Baptist Health provider, please visit baptisthealth.com.